great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. You get to hear how people feel ripped off by me later as we have our Clark Stink segment on the air where producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and shares with you where people feel that I have failed in my job, provided bad advice, bad guidance, or bad opinions. And I want to tell you something. My wife stinks. I've never said that before. Because she's one of those people who's just perfect all the time. It's not fair. She's already finished all her Christmas and Hanukkah shopping. She's bought for everybody on the Christmas list, everybody on the Hanukkah list. She's done. Finished it, most of it, by mid-October. What's it like to be that perfect all the time? I haven't bought anything for anybody. So I got to tell you how she does it. She buys for any women or girls on the list and gives me the guys to buy for. She has no interest in the types of things guys usually want. And so she says, that's up to me. And she handles all the, the women and girls. But she's done, done. 40% of people have already done some, most, or all their shopping, according to a survey I saw in the Louisville Courier Journal. That was 60% of us like me here in November, and we haven't even started to think it through. But there's something I do want you to think about if you're in the 60% who haven't even gotten any get-go yet doing your holiday shopping. So men spend more than women overall on shopping, survey says, from I think it's from the National Retail Federation. And... The amount that both spend is uh, one side or the other of $1,000, but pretty close to 1000 either way for men or women. Now, truth be told, most people don't have $1,000 to spend on holiday shopping, on Christmas, whatever, and so they borrow the money. I'd like you to think of something different this year. I'd like you to think of living within a budget that you set. This is not nearly as much fun as seeing sale, 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 and just buying. But if money is something that is an issue in your life and you'd have to borrow money to buy Christmas stuff, then come up with a simple list. You're a longtime listener. You've heard me say this year after year after year. Come up with a budget you can afford to pay for, whatever that is. You got no money you can afford to buy anybody anything? Do creative things. Give them the gift of time where you do something for them, and that's your gift. Or make something for them. It doesn't have to be about running out to stores or clicking online and buying stuff from online sellers like Amazon or whatever. You can just... Be creative and not spend money. But if you do have some money you can afford to set aside, come up with a total budget, a list of who you're going to buy for, 
and this is cold, but come up with an amount for each person that you're going to spend. Add it up. If it's more than your total budget, you got to start cutting people off that list or reduce the amounts you're spending on different people. And take that list with you. Most people would keep it as like a digital note on their phone. And as you buy something for someone, if you went past what you were going to spend for them, then you got to take money away from somebody else. Stay within that budget. If you end up finding something that's cheaper, then you got more money to spend on somebody else or somebody's else. But stay disciplined and don't have a January hangover owing money. Uh, I want to tell you the poll we did at Clark Deals, one of the things in it that I was very excited about, 40% of people said they're not going to give anybody gift cards this Christmas season. I wish it was 100%, but at least it's 40. Why no gift cards? Because as we had last Christmas season, there was a big problem with gift cards being emptied by crooks. And unknowingly, you bought a card, paid for it, and then the recipient actually found no value on it when they went to use it. And the retailer tells you got lost. That's tough. There's no protection against the looting of gift cards. And there are various inside jobs and outside jobs where people are able to empty the value on a gift card once it's purchased and activated. The other thing is that even if a card has not had the funds looted from it, the reason retailers push them so hard is because what they call breakage. And that's the endless billions of dollars in gift card money that people have given to someone that they never use at all or use all the money on the card and your money goes to waste. If you want to just give somebody something like a gift card, instead give them a card, go to Dollar Tree, you can get cards for 50 cents, two for a buck, write them a nice note, and put cash in the envelope. Cash you don't have to worry about. And the person you're giving it to can spend it anywhere they want. Chandra is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Great, thank you. You're going to Asia. Well, I would like to. (laughs) Um, So that is my dream destination after I graduate college. And so that's where me and my husband have decided to hopefully travel. (laughs) And do you want to travel all over Asia or any particular country? Um, We just want to do Japan right now, but we would like to go back to Thailand as well. Okay. And how long are you going to travel? Um, I think essentially we would like to do two weeks. Great. All right. Um, How can I be of help with this trip? Because I will tell you of the destinations in Asia, Japan is often more expensive to fly to from the U.S. than most any other of the destinations in Asia. Okay. So I might make Um, a suggestion to you. You mentioned Thailand, which there are deals all the time to Thailand, from particularly from the west coast of the U.S. And you can go there, and then within Asia, you can fly on discount airlines at very low prices to fly around Asia once you're in Asia. So usually what I recommend if somebody wants to go to multiple stops in Asia, 
is that they fly to wherever they can get the cheapest fare of the places they're interested in visiting and then use the local discounters or regional discounters to get around to the other places they want to go. Okay. Um, So I guess my main question for you, um, so my whole thing for this is I want to do it after I graduate college and I want to put the money aside for this trip and I don't want it to be um, like linked to any of our like main accounts that we have. And so I want it to be able to like store it for I graduate in about two years. So I want it to be able to gain interest and also um, not have it like easily, I guess, accessible either. So uh, you want to discipline yourself. So what I would yes. do is <laughs> open a, an account in an online bank that is one you do nothing else with. And it would take some effort. Um, it actually isn't that hard, but you would have to actually go through moving the money from there to a regular account of yours. So if you said, this is our vacation money, I'm going to open it at this place, I'm not going to touch it, and that's what you can do. You even have the option of not linking it at all to a regular financial institution and you send them something that I know is prehistoric, but you send them an actual paper check to mm-hmm. deposit money. Okay. And that way it wouldn't be linked to an account you already have. Okay. Yeah, because we have a travel um, credit card right now. And so we have some, uh, we have accrued points on there already. So we have some saved, but I just don't want them sitting in that on that travel card for the next like two years sure so if you instead opened online bank accounts pay two percent plus or less you know just depending on which one you sign up with you probably see the ads for them online on your phone if you watch tv much you'll see the ads for the online banks and you can see a list of what everybody's paying at bankrate.com okay and then you just pop the money in there, and if you want to add more money, just keep adding it, build up that money, and then you've got your trip funds. Yeah. Now, one thing I would look at for you that would be an issue uh, two years from now when you do take your trip, some of the online banks have access to ATMs that are free to use outside the United States, and you'd be able, as you travel to draw money out as you needed it as you traveled across Asia, fee-free and uh, with some of the bank's foreign currency transaction fees are not charged either. Okay. So Uh, I hope that helps. Yeah, I also, do you know when the best time would be to travel to Asia at all? Because I know during summertime it can get really hot. Yeah, so it all depends where you go in Asia and also, you got to worry about the rainy season in various places. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you just, uh, I know it seems so lame to say this, but if you, I do it <laughs> when I'm looking at booking to a particular place, I'll Google what the weather is in a month I'm thinking of going, and then I'll say, okay, green light to there, or I'll say, no way I'm going there because of this, that, or the other with the weather. Okay. I remember I've never been, I'm one quarter Russian, and I've never been to Russia, and there was a sale once that was ultra cheap to uh, St. Petersburg, 
which is such apparently a beautiful Russian city I still haven't seen. And it was a deal in April. And then I went on and looked what weather was like in St. Petersburg in April. And I was like, I didn't care it was under $400 round trip to get there. I didn't go because I didn't want anything to do with that weather. So that's how I made my decision. Someday I'll get there. Brittany's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brittany. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. So you've got some small credit card debts you want to talk about. Yes, I do. I have a few different cards. I have one that has a low APR with my uh, current bank um, that has about $1,000 on it. Um, and then a few, about three others um, with higher interest uh, APRs at about 20% that combined have about 1900 um, So I, I'm trying to, to pay those off um, and find a way to, to pay that off um, as quickly as possible and, and the best way um, so that the only debt that I have is my mortgage right now. Right. That's, and that's great. To- and that that's not an obnoxious amount of credit card debt. And no. you're obviously determined to pay it off. So there's really two strategies I can recommend to you. Okay. One is a simple, uh, what's called ladder or avalanche, where you pay the minimums towards the $1,000 debt that's at the lower interest rate. And of the 1900, whichever of the three, you said three cards make up that 1900, right? Correct. Whichever yeah. is the highest interest rate of those, throw as much money at it each month as you can. The other two only pay minimums. And as soon as you okay. finish with the highest rate, move on to the second highest rate and on like that, where you're only paying minimums against the lower rate ones. The other thing you can do if your credit score is really solid is you may be able to do a balance transfer offer. There aren't nearly as many of those as there used to be, but where you can balance transfer and have uh, a year or 18 months where you pay no interest with opening a new credit card and using it as a way to pay off these old balances. Gotcha. And I would say that either would be fine, and with the amount of debt you have, how long do you intend... For it to take you to pay off this, what, $2,900? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. All right. That's, um, that's something I want you to really look through your spending, think about what you make, and come up with a number of months that you're going to set as a goal that you intend to reach to pay those off, and let's make that happen. If you don't set a specific time goal, and figure out what that means you got to put towards these cards each month, it's really hard to get them paid down and paid off. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me, and some of the questions producer Joel will ask for you. Clark Denise wrote in, she said, how do I write a letter to a creditor and ask for a cheaper payoff amount? The account is over five years old, but I'd like to pay a reduced percentage of what I owe. So if an account is over five years old, particularly if you've not made any payments in these years, you need to be very careful making any offer at all because it may bring it back into a situation where you could be sued against it. In most states, by the time something's five years old or older, it may be past the point 
of what's known as statute of limitations where they could sue you against it. If you go to whatever search engine you use and put in your state name, put in statute of limitations, you'll see what that number is. You don't want to put yourself in a position where suddenly they're like, oh, she wants to give us money. We're going to go get it all. We're going to sue her. We're going to get a dollar from her, and then we're going to sue her because that refreshes the date in terms of how it's looked at in most states. But if you want to negotiate, um, and it is a situation you're not worried about statute of limitations, you want to talk to them, you want to get an agreement instead of writing them, but then you want the agreement that they give you in writing before you give them any money. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you gaining knowledge so that you take more control of your wallet and your financial future. Now, that's what this show's about. And so this is different than a normal talk show where you think about the political talk shows, the host is always right, right? No, that's not this. We all are in this together. We all learn from each other. But you expect from me that you're going to get ironclad advice, you're going to get great information, and that you're going to be happy with the way I give you that information. But there are times that you feel I don't deliver, that I give bad guidance, bad advice, um, incomplete, whatever. So we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where you can post feedback to me so that I'll serve you better. Uh, Weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark. You stated that pre-check costs $17 and global entry costs $20. So if you travel frequently internationally, go with global entry. Well, according to the two online sites for each, pre-check is $85 and global entry has a non-refundable application fee of $100. So where'd you get your information? Am I missing something? You're usually correct in your recommendations, but I was disappointed. Thanks, Clark. Mike. Mike, um, so maybe I was too shorthand in what you heard. It's $17 a year, but you have to pay five years up front. So it's 85 bucks for pre-check, 100 for global entry, but it buys you five years. So effectively $17 a year for pre-check, 20 a year for global entry. However, right now the global entry system is broken. Uh, they're way short of staff for any of a number of reasons. And so you pay the $100 non-refundable, and there are so many people who have never, ever been able to get their global entry processed. So right now what I'm recommending is that you do pre-check, and it is 85 bucks as you said, but 17 a year for five years. And it means you still have a problem at international if you fly a lot internationally, but until the global entry system is fixed, it seems to be the best answer. By the way, download Mobile Passport if you don't have global entry, because in many U.S. ports of entry, Mobile Passport is an app to your Android or iPhone that will get you through immigration usually a lot quicker. 
A caller asked about whether she should roll over her traditional IRA into a Roth IRA so she could take advantage of a backdoor Roth. One option is to see her employer's 401k permits if, if they permit rollovers from a traditional IRA, a reverse rollover. This would avo- avoid the tax on the Roth conversion. Brian. That's a great suggestion, and I've never thought about that. So let me explain, because it's a pretty complicated area. If someone makes too much money, they are not allowed to open a Roth IRA. But there's a workaround called doing something called a non-deductible IRA that you put money into and then immediately have it reclassified as Roth money. But you can only pull this off if you don't have money sitting around in a traditional IRA. So this idea of moving your traditional IRA money into an employer 401k that you're in now is a way around having to first convert all your IRA money into Roth before you can start doing the backdoor Roth, the non-deductible IRA, followed by the conversion to a Roth. That is a lot to say. You far from stink, but cell phone plans constantly come up on your show and you fail to bring up a few caveats with going with a second or third tier cell phone provider. Data prioritization and extremely low hotspot data. For example, I just switched from Xfinity Mobile to Verizon prepaid. Xfinity Mobile uses Verizon Towers. On Xfinity, my 4G LTE speeds were 9 download and 2 upload. Immediately after switching to the Verizon prepaid, literally five minutes after putting in a new SIM, same spot in the house, etc., my speeds were 21 download and 10 upload. While switching providers can certainly save you money, it isn't apples to apples comparison. And for people who need performance, I need mine for work, you have to be careful when switching. Thanks for all you do, Ed. Ed, thank you for pointing that out. And Ed, the other thing I would say is that now... The um, cell phone plans of T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon also have different tiers on their quote-unquote unlimited plans, and they will have, they might call them good, better, best, whatever, but it's the same kind of thing you're talking about with a lot of the second and third tier providers is that how they do what's called network prioritization and what speeds you get normally can be not as good on what they call the good plans, which they should call the mediocre plans, followed by the okay, followed by the good is how they should be referred to. Clark smells like half-day-old socks. You have talked about renting a vehicle and using a card that has insurance along with your other insurance. I agree with the first part of using the card for insurance, but when it comes to time to turn in the vehicle, I pay using a card with the best points, and that is why you are only a half of a day stinky. Harry. Harry, I I appreciate your sentiments, and um, I'm sorry I have half-day-old socks on, but I don't make that switch with a car rental. I use a car that is primary coverage when I rent a car. The rewards on it, not great, but I don't switch when I turn my car back in because if later there's any allegation or dispute, I have lost the protections that come with that card. So there's a little bit of risk involved with what you're doing to get the reward of better reward points. Hi, Clark. Recently, you spoke to a woman who was stuck with a large amount of miles tied to a specific airline. 
As someone who travels a lot, I was surprised to not hear you recommend transfer partners to this person. As a Chase Sapphire Reserve cardholder, I was able to transfer the points to United and then to Turkish Airlines, and I was able to get round-trip flights to Turkey for 60,000 United points and taxes of $83. While your options are still limited through tying, tying yourself to one airline trans to one airline, transfer partners can be one way to still get value. Thanks for all you do and all of your great travel-related advice, Jeff. Jeff, that is a great suggestion, and it's a level of detail I usually don't get into with a caller, but your advice is exactly right. And anyone sitting on a pile of miles in a specific airline or on a multi-airline card like you've got should know there are bloggers out there like the points guy who walk you through the best ways to use your points and which airlines are best to transfer them to, which redemptions have the lowest junk fees. And it is an ever-changing art. But if you've got big numbers of points, it's worth it to learn how to play the game. Speaking of travel, the recommendation to use a credit card without foreign transaction fees will end up costing you more money. We're originally from Canada, but make frequent visits back to visit family. I have, heard, I have two credit cards from Chase, the Chase Freedom, which has foreign transaction fees, and the Chase Marriott with no fees. Since the banks rarely give you something for nothing, I decided to c- compare one card against another. I had to fill up my rental car. At one fill-up, I pumped 20, U- 20 Canadian dollars with each card. The card with the fees was 1% cheaper in, the, in U.S. dollars. The no transaction fee card gave us a much worse exchange rate that wiped out any savings from the no transaction fees. Graham. Graham, if I followed what you said, Krista, both cards were from the same issuer mm-hmm. and using a different currency transact, uh, conversion, that is ugly. And I'm sure there are lawyers listening right now who are just like chomping at the bit to go after any issuer that would charge discriminatory conversion rates for foreign currency, pretending that it's no transaction fee, but then backdooring into one by having a different exchange rate than the real exchange rates. Recently, you spoke about biweekly mortgage payments as a scam. I disagree. We have our mortgage with a credit union. As with most credit unions, they are also the loan servicer, and we can see our loan 24-7 online. We paid zero cost to set up the biweekly payment, and we can see it drop into and credited into our account in real time online. And we do two payments every week, one from my account and one from my wife's account, via bill pay to principal as a bonus. Most, as a bonus, most credit unions will also do a re-amortization as large chunks of the principal go down. We are saving tens of thousands of dollars and years on the payoff. Michael. Michael, that is fantastic. And I neglected any time I talk about bi-weeklies, talk about how important credit unions have become to the mortgage market. And credit unions often not only originate their loans, but they also handle servicing, as in your case, and the credit union itself offered you as a member the option of doing a bi-weekly. Those conditions are very rare, and you're not likely ever to find them with a traditional bank. The difference is a bank wants you to stay in debt. A credit union, being a co-op of its members, 
wants to help members get out of debt. So credit union also as a co-op would never come up with a way to rip people off like banks do with their arrangements on the biweekly. So you have a situation that has never come up that I can recall ever from someone with a biweekly, and I should always give that distinction with the difference that you might not get ripped off with a biweekly at a credit union. Okay. When people call about eyeglasses, you never mention the VA. If they financially qualify, you would think being a veteran would qualify them. Once a year, they can get glasses for free. Also, instead of paying $4,000 for hearing aids, those are free also. Keep them in mind. Jim. Jim, thank you very much for those suggestions, and I really appreciate that. And Jim, your post and so many of the others you've heard today are exactly why we do Clark Stinks, because you bring perspectives to the table that maybe I haven't thought about or uh, a better answer to a question than I gave. So I love that you take the time to do this. Just go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, and when you feel that I'm only giving part of the story or I'm just plain wrong, post it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Gladdy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gladdy. Hi, Clark. Good to talk to you. Well, good to have you here. You're trying to play catch-up in your life. Tell me about that. Well, ironically, I work for one of those large telecommunication monopolies, and I've been with the company for 20 years. Um, I have you know, a pretty significant 401k. I match 8%. They match 6%. Um, but I've just been listening to your show. I'm doing some of my own research. I've just been uh, learning about the Roth IRAs, and the more I hear, the more I hear it's really, really good for young folks to get involved in the uh, Roth IRA, but now I'm going to be 51 this month, and I'm not sure if it's too late for me. No, 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 no. There's not not necessarily an age thing about the Roth. There's certain situations where I'll I'll talk about it age-based, but generally it's based on income. If your income is a moderate income or moderate to high, the Roth IRA is still very valuable. Only for people who make, under today's tax code, only for people who make huge money, does it really not become a good idea to do a Roth IRA. Because you're taking after-tax dollars and putting into it. But if you've been saving, um, you said it's 8 and 6 you put in eight, they put in six. Is that what you said? Yes. So mm-hmm. you're saving effectively 14% of your pay, all pre-tax. So all that money will be taxed eventually when you retire. The advantage of having the Roth 
is it gives you more flexibility when you do retire. Are you going to retire in 10 years, 15 years? What are you thinking? Ideally, I wouldn't mind, um, you know, like 62. Okay, so um, 11 years from now, you bag yeah. work, which gives you 11 years to put money into a Roth. And because you're past 50, you can do $7,000 a year in a Roth. If you were right. able to do that every year, that plus potentially what you'd earn would mean you'd have somewhere north of $100,000 and Roth money when you retire, which gives you maximum additional flexibility in retirement where you draw money from. Because there'll be times it'll be better for you to draw from your pre-tax money, and other times it would be better for you to take from the Roth. Namely, when you what you don't want to do in retirement is step yourself up into the next tax bracket if you can avoid it by mm-hmm. taking only enough money out that you that you need to before it would push you into the next tax bracket and then additional money you might need to live on you could take from the Roth. Right. And the other thing I'm concerned about too is that I do work for a large telecommunications company and I don't know what our shelf life is. I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to survive with all the over the top, you know, um, players that are, that are involved now. So yeah. And and nobody can, (laughs) nobody can ever predict that kind of future. But Mm -hmm. do you have a pension coming to you from that company? I do. All right. So the pension gives you a huge advantage in retirement over other people. By having access to a pension, it means that a lot of the expenses you might face monthly already are covered by that pension. How many years do you have with the telecommunications company? 20. So at 20 years you're probably getting a pretty generous pension even already. Right. And if you work another 10 years and you hit 30, um, under many pension designs, you'd end up with half pay the rest of your life. Is that about where Mm -hmm. you'd end up? It is, yes. So that's extraordinary. And very few people have access to something like that. So I'd say that you're going to be in wonderful shape. Well, good. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, I thank you so much for answering my question and, and helping me along the way. You're so good to listen to. I wish I found you earlier. And ironically, it was the company that I work for that sent out a bulletin that had um, you highlighted in the bulletin. And I clicked on it. This was years ago. And I've been following you ever since. So, <laughs> Well, that's it's really interesting. That you're available to us. <laughs> well, that's great. And I'm glad that I've been able to be of service to you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.